1: I what they might say We love Jesus anyway We are continuing our journey through the book of Judges Focusing on Samson as we close out the week here on Way of Grace Join us, we're back in Judges chapter 13 Looking at the birth of Samson That's next on Way of Grace the book of Judges, we often want to focus on the judge, and rightfully so, but we need to take a moment and focus on the people surrounding that judge as well, if we are to understand precisely what's going on here in God's Word. Welcome to Way of Grace, online at grace-bible.com. Pastor Jessica Stan takes us back to Judges chapter 13, Samson, the fruit of faith for the glory of God. There are a couple of faithful men and women in this passage, and they are the parents of Samson, which gives us a look into this faith that they have. Struggling with your faith today? Let's bolster it, shall we? Here's
2: Pastor Jesse and today's Way of Grace. All right, so let's wrap up this juxtaposition of being barren and yet called children of God because we have chosen false gods and now we're in captivity to the flesh. And the flesh is dominating our life everywhere. The Philistines here are are moving towards Judah, as I stated in. And if we don't reckon with the reality that the flesh profits nothing. That's what Jesus said in John 6, 63 and following. It's the spirit that gives life. And so when you and I are leaning way too much into fleshly, horizontal, carnal, secular choices. We will never, ever realize the promises of God, which are yes and amen in Jesus Christ, because they are prompted, generated, brought about by spiritual principles. But the world will tell you it's all about the flesh. And this is why Israel is barren. And this is why God has allowed these two wonderful Christian couples, persons, to be barren too. Because they are for our what? Learning. So, under point number one, two subpoints. The first one I've dealt with: forty years of slavery to the what? That must be a nightmare. That must be a horrible thing to be trapped by a uh, impulse and propensity to simply value carnal things. That must be a horrible place to be now. I'm saying it somewhat facetiously, but I'm not. I've been saved now by the grace of God, kept now by the mercy of God, called and, 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 and kept within the parameters of God's goodness to me for 40 years. And I don't know what it's like to be absent of the power of grace to help me work out my choice making even when I mess up so as to always be stuck making the wrong choice. That must be a nightmare. That must be a nightmare. And it has to be worse when you actually know God and his grace. In the conversion of your soul. And yet in your negligence, still find yourselves dominated by the flesh. Because there's a part of your conscience that lets you know you are nowhere near what you are supposed to be by the way you are behaving. That must be horrible. Certainly there can be no peace there. So God gave them over to it for how many years? Forty years. That's a whole generation. That nation is messed up. They are just messed up. But now, do you know, children of God, that there's nothing too hard for the Lord? Right, he will let us get to that place where it is obvious and evident that we have no power. He'll let us get to that space in that condition where it becomes so evident that we cannot deliver ourselves. He'll bring us to that place where we are so absolutely barren in ourselves that as our elder said, there's only one thing you can do. Cry out to God. That's where God says, all right, that's my name. And I'm getting there. I'm getting there. God has a name. And that name is definitely deliverer. So what God says is that the people of God are often like their Lord Jesus Christ. You know what that is? A root out of dry ground. There you go. The paradox again. Isaiah 51 verse 1, 2, and 3. Listen to it. You've heard it. I just want to lift up the uh, agricultural analogy. Here's the paradoxical nature of it. Isaiah 53, 1, please. Who hath believed our report? What report? The gospel. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Who is the arm of the Lord? Christ. He's the strength and power of God. The question is, who hath believed our report? And the the question is not being raised to the secular world. It's being raised to church folk. Do you actually believe that God has power? Do you actually believe that God has a solution to your problem? The way we act often is what? No. Verse 2. Here it is. Verse two. For he, who is the he here? Jesus shall grow up before him. Who is the him? The father as a tender plant. Do you see it? God now is describing for us the nature of his son in the incarnation, because obviously Jesus as God in the totality of his ontological being does not have to grow. But if he's growing, that means he's taking on our human nature, right? So the father is looking upon Christ and he's telling us that this is what Christ looks like in the world. He does not look like some big green bay tree or a Lebanon tree. He looks like a little twig. Coming up out of the desert, which again is an oxymoronic picture of hope against no hope at all. And it's important for you to get this. Remember, young people, it's for you. And those of y'all in the middle of this thing, it's for you too. And so you old people just pull out your napkins because you got to (laughs) cry for how much we messed up. Here it is. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. This is what he looks like. No form nor comeliness. That means he does not have have with him the attributes of some kind of fleshly Philistine glory. You're not going to find him in Glamour magazine. You're not going to find him in GQ. You're not going to find him across the pages of all your social media outlets with all of the gazillion images that keep getting inside our kids' heads to tell them that they are pure flesh. Your God does not appeal to you from the angle of the flesh. Am I making some sense? All right. So notice what he says He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no what? That we should desire him, not after the flesh. So now let's go back to our text and begin to work with what we really know is a foreshadow of the coming of Christ, do we not? One to point number two the hope of faith revealed. That's what our point says. The hope of faith revealed. Now watch this. This is verse two and three of our outline of our text. And there was a certain man named Zorah of the family of the Danites or Danites, whose name was Manoah and his wife was what? And bear not. Do you guys see that? So here is a double Hebrew idiom in that last clause. And his wife was barren and bear not. That's how the language is emphasizing two things. She was always barren and she's barren now. That means they try. but the flesh prophets, see it? See it? She's barren and bears not. And, and here again is the paradox for all of us. We know that salvation is by what? Grace, not works. Because if it was by works, that means we wouldn't be barren. We'd be able to cooperate with God in our salvation, but because we're barren, our salvation has to be the function of grace alone. God has to do the miracle of regeneration in us all by himself because we're all barren women by nature. Am I making some sense? This is why we deny a salvation based upon words. So when Manoah and his wife tell folks that they're with child, They'll be able to say God did it and God did it alone. And when we tell men and women we're saved, we say we're saved by the grace of God and by the grace of God alone. I was dead in my trespasses and sins. I was blind, deaf and dumb. And God called me out of death like he called Lazarus out of the grave. And he opened my eyes and my ears. He changed my heart he filled it with his glory. And now I am an object of pure mercy. That's the mystery of having a baby. Y'all got that? That's the mystery of having a baby. Because once that conception comes, there's all kind of stuff going on. We can't explain. Same thing with being born again. And his wife was barren and barren. Now look at verse three. Here it is. Here's is the intervention of God. Does God care about our miserable, pathetic condition? I did not hear a hearty amen. Does God care about our pathetic, toe-up, raggedy, dry, fruitless, miserable condition? (laughs) Tell the truth now. Told you honest folk ain't going where? They're not going to hell. Honest folk not going to hell. And see, if you read your Bible long enough, you always find God hunting us down. Now, if you want them to catch you quicker, stop running. That'll get you in a second. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, behold, now you are what? I love this. Like she didn't know. But see what the angel is doing is framing his mission, making sure that the objects of the mission stay in keeping with the paradigm of the mission, which is the sovereign mercy of God in redeeming them from an explicable situation from which they couldn't even begin to imagine something else. You know what the angel just did? He told her, don't go postmodern on me. Don't start creating imaginations about being something that you're not. In other words, as we will see a little bit, I don't know if I'll get there today. One of the things God has to make sure that you understand is that he does not uh, desire you and me to play church. If you're going to have God for your God, you got to keep it real with him. So first thing he says to you is you ain't got nothing to bring to the table, sweetheart. Mm -hmm. Does that come home? And I I want you to know, as we sign the contract on this grace agreement, it's going to be unilateral in nature. I want you to sign at the bottom that nothing in your hands you bring simply to the cross you claim. All of it has to be resourced and provided by God alone. Does that come home? In other words, it's called confession of sins. If you confess your sins, he is just and faithful to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all your unrighteousness. So Manoah and his wife are proving to the messenger of the Lord that they have not come in with a false gospel as the premise of their hope. See, a false gospel would simply say, I need God to help me as I help myself. You remember religious claims? God helps those who what? Right. Where's that in the Bible? You keeping up with me? Can I keep talking? Very important. If God's going to get the glory, it's going to be because he's the one starting it, initiating it, and supporting you all the way through. Behold, now you are barren and us not, but you shall what? Conceive and bear a son. Hurry up and get a hold of that. That is the promise of God to every one of us. That is the promise of God over against the circumstances, over against the condition that we're in, over against whatever we may have also forged as obstacles in our own life as a consequence of us being beat down by our bad choices. Did that come home? So as a child of God, you do a lot of things wrong and you suffer for it in a temporal dimension. Like when you and I are deliberately rebelling against God and living contrary to his will, there's no way that you're going to operate out of a vital faith of things hoped for. You cannot until you know that you've gotten right with the God that saved you. So you are diminished in your capacity to see things forward, see things broadly, or see things transcendent. You are in the cave. And you need a messenger on the outside of the cave to come into your cave and tell you there's more to your life than sitting and groveling around a little bitty fire of regret and remorse and misery because of your rebellion against your God. Am I making some sense? In other words, you may be saved. You probably are. You got a little light, but it's only enough light for you to know you're in a cave. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And then the angel of the Lord comes into the cave and says, you're getting ready to have a child. Now it's time for you to do what? Believe God, right? Now I want you to see how this transaction works through. So very important, children of God. So very important. So this is why I say the hope of faith, what? The hope of faith, what? Yes. And it's revealed from outside of you by the messenger of God bringing to you the hope of faith. So for you and I, as people of God, we cannot generate hope in our own life. Our hope comes from the word of God, from the promises of God, from the truth of God, from God's decrees, from his plans and purposes for our life. When we open up our Bible and we open them with the humility of being willing to learn, not know, and not just hear, to learn, then we come to find out that the word of God is a consolation to our soul and gives us hope why you find a lot of Christians hopeless because they don't read their Bibles. So notice what I have. The hope of faith revealed. You and I are married to faith. Heard I'm get that one. You're married to faith. You've been wedded to faith. Is that true? Married to faith. Children of God are married to faith. Are we married to faith? Every day of our life. We've been married to faith. God brought us into nuptial union with him through his son, Jesus Christ. And every day is a day wherein faith has to be cultivated in terms of believing the promises of God. We could really micromanage that on so many levels. But I want to stay within the uh, paradigm of the one of the fundamental goals of the marriage is that we might what? Have children. So, again, analogy, the analogy of that is being fruitful and multiplying. So we're married to faith because faith then becomes that through line, that, that singular principle that's operating in us to bring us to God so that God can work in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. But faith, the journey of faith is a hard journey, is it not, child of God? So Hebrews 11:1, one, you should know it by heart. Faith is the substance of things, what? Right. That means that upon the start of the relationship, there are things promised that are not there yet. Raise your hand if you're keeping up with me. I got about thirty five more minutes with you. That means when a couple gets married, they're hoping for a bunch of things. They're hoping for a bunch of things. Honey girl is hoping her husband get a better job. (laughs) It's true. It's true. Right, we, we, we really want this to be as easy as we possibly can because if he don't get a better job, then I got to work too. And we start both start working, we might be too tired. So you see how the whole thing in the hierarchy of the purposes get threatened if we don't try to keep the principles right? I can stay right there for a long time. If you marry that brother and y'all both got to work, you're going to probably end up barren. Speaking metaphorically here, Speaking by analogy, you got to have a husband that's a Hebrew man. He's got to be able to provide. He's got to be able to protect. And he got to be able to produce. Because otherwise, why be married? Some of y'all know what I'm saying, don't you? Y'all know what I'm saying. Okay. So the text is teaching us that as people of God, we have a relationship with God where he does have the ability to provide protect us and produce in us, doesn't he? And so it is on the natural. So we see that our our marriage paradigm is calling for hope and it's calling for us to be able to believe in things that are in the future. Now here's the struggle with it. Habakkuk chapter two, verse one through four, I want you to get it. Because I do not mean to so communicate faith to you today, again, as a kind of Disneyland principle, hocus pocus, magical thing, which has been proffered in the church for decades. And you know it, a kind of false faith that they just propagandize That's All you got to do is rub the genie of faith and everything magically happens. That's a bunch of BS. Maloney sandwich, for those of y'all that don't understand grown folk language, (laughs) it's a bunch of BS. You read your Bible, men and women of faith, they have a hard time. They have a hard time. But God uses hard times to develop character. It's like that's the big problem in our life character. So we can learn how to make right choices. I will stand upon my watch, says Habakkuk, and I will set me upon my tower, and I will watch to see what he will say unto me. Do you understand what Habakkuk is doing? He waiting on God. He waiting on God. And and a lot of us have been there, have we not? So here's how this goes. You've been knocking, knocking, knocking. You've been trying to open the door. You're trying to to get God's attention and he don't say anything to you. And after a while you say, you know what? I'm just going to sit and wait on God. Give me one. I'm going to sit and wait on God. And see, at that point, when you sit and wait on God, now you're actually believing in the promises of God. Because like God's ears not too heavy where he can't hear you. He already said he hears us before we, we speak. If that's true, then if when we knock on the door and God doesn't answer, you know what he's teaching you and me? Trust him. He will show up right on time, but he wants you to wait on the Lord. Wait again, I say, on the Lord and be of good courage. So he will teach you that. A lot of times a husband and a wife are, you know, well prepared for the conception of the child and they done saved up a little money and they get to that place. Okay, honey, it's time. Let's do this. Three months in, six months in, nine months in. And now the wife is wondering, is there something wrong with my husband? And the husband going, is something wrong with baby girl? No, God is challenging your faith. A number of you guys know that in here. We have prayed, we have labored, we have waited, we have prayed, we have labored, we have waited. I've told you, wait on the Lord. Don't get crazy with these doctors. Pray and wait, pray and wait. Get your heart right, because sometimes God needs mom and daddy to be right before he gives you the child. That's what our text is about today, because sometimes you ain't right, and you want a baby to get in the way, because he will get in the way if you ain't right. Get right and watch what happens. Then all of a sudden, boom, PJ, I'm pregnant. See, some of these young people getting it. They getting it. Brother Mac. they getting it. They understand. You can't just say, Lord, give me one of the penultimate blessings that I could ever have. And I'm all jacked up in my attitude. I'm all jacked up in my behavior. I got my priorities all wrong. I want a baby. If God gives you that baby, you're going to use that baby as an idol against God. The old folk know what I'm talking about. Babies end up being a barrier between them and God. Because you have failed to believe that babies are a supernatural expression of God's mercy and goodness, particularly to covenant people. And then all of a sudden you're abusing the baby like you abuse your faith. And the house is nothing but a battle. Y'all know what I'm saying is true. Can I keep talking? So I always say to myself, so I'm going to really start winding it down around 1245. So I'm kind of under the tyranny of 25 more minutes. (laughs) So I at least got you 25 more minutes. And I'm thankful that you're open to very sound doctrine. This is the only way you can be healthy. Is by sound doctrine. You'll be able to pass this on to your kids because we got a lot of them that are becoming young teenagers, and in a couple of years we will be marrying off another three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten of them, and they will be compelled to remember this message. Because Manoah and his wife are a remarkable couple. They lived in a crazy, jacked-up Philistine culture, and they waited on God.
1: Well, you are listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Stand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. Closing out our time together today, we invite you to reach out to us. Let us know how the program encourages you in your walk with Christ. Questions, comments, prayer requests are always welcome. You can either write to us, give us a call, or stop by our website and drop us an email. Now, the best place to go, of course, is the website. Not only will you be able to write to us via email, you'll be able to get more information about who we are, what we believe, worship times, how to get here. Grace-bible.com is our website. Again, that's grace-bible.com. If you wish to give us a call, the number is 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. If you're writing to us, our address is 22768 Main Street. That's 22768 Main Street. Here in Hayward, the zip code 94541. That's 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California, 94541. One final note as we close out our time today this program is listener supported. If you wish to partner with us, we would be more than grateful. This broadcast airs throughout the Bay Area, as well as online, impacting thousands for the sake of Christ. And that is our hope and our goal. If you'd like to partner with us along those lines, feel free to write or give us a call. No gift is too large, no gift too small, whether a one-time gift or a monthly support. You're more than welcome to reach out. We would love to partner with you as we minister the gospel of Jesus to the Bay Area and the World Wide Web. Thank you for spending time with us today. Until next time, may Christ be your way of grace. I not what they might say, we love Jesus anyway. I don't care what they might say, we love Jesus anyway.